Good evening, everyone. Greetings to you tonight in the name of Jesus. It's good to be here again. Thank you for coming to church again tonight. I know it's uh, our brother referred to it. Can't hardly believe it's Thursday evening already. Some of you might be wishing it were Sunday evening already. I don't know. So I know a week of revival meetings can be long and inspiring. So anyway, I hope it has been a blessing to your life. It certainly has been a blessing to mine. So thank you for being a great group of brothers and sisters and for sharing your houses, your food, your love, your prayers, and all of those things which make life very enjoyable for us to be here with you. And so we are going to go back to Reading and we're going to have fond memories of the people here at Ebenezer Mennonite Church. I appreciated the devotional. It seems like in American churches, and I maybe it's that way all over the world, I know, but preaching seems to be losing its share. Um, there's a whole lot more exciting things that people can do in church than listen to preaching. And so uh, preaching seems to be fading away while some other things seem to be, you know, taking over. And so I appreciate and commend you for having a week of preaching. So God bless you for that. You can turn in your Bible tonight to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we are going to look at a message tonight. It actually has a little bit of association with our message last night. Not quite the same subject, but there are some similar concepts and thoughts that may come through. But we are going to give a title to this message tonight, being a high calling, okay? We're going to talk tonight about your high calling. And you might think tonight, well, we have uh, leaders of the church, we have preachers here, we have deacons, we have people who are involved in positions in the church Uh, Maybe we can look at the teachers in the Christian school. Maybe we can look across the ocean and see missionaries. And we can see people that are excelling in the Christian life. And they're serving well in some other location or in some position. And we can think, well, those are the people that have a high calling. But I want to tell us tonight, Christians, that there is not one Christian Not one follower of Jesus that does not have a high calling. You can't look at others and say that's their job to have a high calling because it's your job to have a high calling. God has called every one of us to a high calling in his great kingdom for his great glory. And so maybe you're here this evening, maybe you feel insignificant, maybe you feel unimportant, Maybe you feel like someone rather small and not influential. We may think that our function in this world is minimal. Maybe you think your impact is negligible. And we may wonder at times, what am I here for or do I have a valuable function? Am I fulfilling God's purpose for me? And those are good questions. We should probably think about those things. But I want to assure you this evening that you have a great purpose, a great function, and a work to do. You are God's person. In fact, you belong to him by creation. You also belong to him by redemption. So you're actually twice his. And he has a purpose for your life. Let's look at our scripture tonight from 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 to 12. We are going to go through these verses this evening and see what God calls us to. And it is a high calling. But but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, 
abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so here the writer Peter tells us what and who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. In him, we are not, get the double negative here, (laughs) in him we are not a nobody. We are not a nothing, but we are something, and we are a somebody with a very special and powerful position and responsibility. Okay? Let's notice who and what we are tonight. And this uh, message tonight is instructing you in what God calls you to be and hopefully motivates us to be that, okay? And so first of all, he says, you are a chosen generation. Now, I think we talked a few nights ago how sometimes we might wish we were born at another time. And maybe you're here tonight, you wish you were born at another time. Uh, Maybe you think it would be interesting to live years ago. Or maybe you think it would even be more interesting to live 100 years in the future. Well, I look at the future, and I I don't know if I want to go there. (laughs) I'm not sure I'd want to be in the future. I mean, it's hard enough to be here now, much less in the future. And uh, those of you who are young parents, you have a lot of confidence in the grace and the power of God to bring children into this world. I mean, what were you thinking? You were thinking that God is going to sustain them just the way he sustained you, right? Well, somehow we made it to where we are today, and I believe God's grace will be sufficient for my children to make it through this life and to be faithful in serving him. And so we are not overwhelmed. We're not overpowered by the evils of the world. We serve a great God, and he's the one who keeps us. And so we are a chosen generation. You were not born 100 years ago. I don't think anybody here is 100 years old. Um, And you're not going to be born sometime in the future because you are here right now. And as a chosen generation, that means that there is this time in history that you are walking the planet. You are here now. And God has put you here now because... He wants you to live now. All right? That should be pretty obvious, I guess. God wanted me to be a person, and he wanted me to be here now, because here I am. And so God has you here right now for his purpose and his reason, and that is to be, as it says here, a chosen generation and all the other things we are going, we're going to look at here this evening. Former generations are moving on. You probably noticed that, okay? There are some people among us here this evening that are kind of getting older, okay? And there's people here tonight that are kind of younger. And so the older are moving off the scene and the younger are moving onto the scene. And I don't want to scare the youth here tonight. I don't want to scare you. But I tell you what, the things that these dear brothers are doing here and here this week and in these days, months, and years, soon they're going to be replaced by somebody else because they are going to be passing off the scene and those who are younger are going to be passing onto the scene and the church is going to continue on in spite of the fact that the older ones are moving on. And so somebody's going to have to take their place. And so some of the young men that are sitting here this evening are going to be leaders in the church, okay? Um, Some of them might end up being school teachers. Some of them might end up being missionaries. Some of you young ladies might end up being missionaries, preachers, wives, whatever. Um, You never know what might happen. Um, And so when I was 12 years old, when I was 12 years old, if anybody would have came to me and said, young man, when you grow up and become a man, you're going to be a Mennonite preacher. I'd have probably looked at him and said, there is not one chance in a million that that will ever happen. 
But look at, look at what happened. <laughs> you know, you just don't know what your future might be. And so, be ready. Get ready. Because you're a chosen generation. And there is a work for you to do in this world at this time in history. And so, the truth of God and the gospel message the church, a faithful church, the heritage of the faithful, all of this has been passed on to us. And so those who walk before us have been faithful. And so will we honor their faithfulness by continuing to walk faithfully into the future, no matter what age we might be? And so for the younger people among us, the responsibilities of the mature are about to be laid upon you. So young generation, what are you going to do with all of this? What direction are you going to take? What leadership will you provide? What legacy will you leave behind to those who follow? You know, every one of us is very, very influential. You know, there have been people that made hard decisions in the past that have benefited us to this very day. There have been those who said, you know what, we are going to step out. We are going to go against the establishment and we are going to follow God according to our consciences and according to our understanding of the word of God. And we are not going to let a false church bully us around. Okay, we're talking about the Reformation many years ago. When men stood up and said, you know what, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to take the word of God literally. We're going to believe what it says. We're going to apply it to our lives. We're going to live it out. And you know what, we're riding. We are riding on their faithfulness even to this very day. And so what decisions are you going to make? You know, one person, one link in the chain that makes wrong choices can lead a whole family which who knows how big a family is. How big is a family? A family ends up being five people, then 15 people, then 50 people, then hundreds of people. And you know what? There are people who have stood for truth and made hard decisions and said, you know what? We're going to do the right thing. And it influenced hundreds of people behind them. There have been people that went astray. There have been people who chose the way of the world, people who chose to drop out of the kingdom of God and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring are riding that influence to this day and there is a bunch of problems and sin and evil and loss as a result of wrong decisions. So your decisions that you make today, no matter how young you are, or how old you are, have a tremendous impact on everyone following you. And let me tell you tonight, not one of you, not a person in this building can, tonight can afford to ruin your influence by making wrong choices and walking away from God. That is not an option for you. You are being depended on by everybody following you in future generations, to be a faithful and a godly person. So let me ask you tonight, which direction are you going? Are you going ever more toward God and in tune with him, led by his Holy Spirit, guided by his word? Is that the direction you're going? Or do you find yourself sort of fading in reverse? If you're fading in reverse, if you're going in reverse, Get it straight. Get it right. Get yourself going the right way because you can't afford to leave that kind of influence behind you. You are a chosen generation and you need to be faithful to your God now because others are coming on behind you. Let's move on to a royal priesthood tonight. Royal priesthood. Now, royal, what does royal have to do with? You know what royal has to do with, right? Royal has to do with a king. 
okay? Has to do with a, a ruling family. Now, we really don't know much about that here in America because we have elected presidents and elected representatives, and they can come from who knows where, whatever their background might be, whatever family they're part of. You look across the ocean, you can see at least there's somewhat of a picture of a royal family, although they're not, I don't know what to say about it, but they're not all that admirable necessarily. But there is a royal family there, and it is a generational thing that they are of the royal family. And tonight you are a royal priesthood because you are connected to none other than the king of the universe, who is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and you are his child, his person. And so you are a royal priesthood because you're connected to the king, who is none other than Jesus Christ himself. A royal priesthood. It's about your king. You tonight are a child and a servant of the king. Your position is royalty in his kingdom. Now, how is royalty to behave? You know, you might look across the ocean, like I said earlier, and see the royal family, and, you know, you wish they would really be a good example you know, to the, to the British people or maybe even to the rest of the world that they just have, they live by such a high standard. They just do everything that's right. And they are such noble and dignified people. It's not necessarily that way. But you know what? As a royal priesthood, you should be a noble person. You should live a life of dignity and a life of virtue to the point that you are an asset and a compliment and a glory to the king, okay? Because you're a royal priesthood. Now we know, if we look back at the Old Testament, we look at, uh, we look at the, uh, the, the sacrificial system uh, that was in place under the law. The offspring of Aaron of the Old Covenant were appointed as the priests, And what was their position? Their position was, God is here, the people are there, and the priest stands between. Okay? That is the position of a priest. A priest is one who stands between God and man. And there are churches today that function with priests. And, of course, we don't function with priests. These brothers here that are in leadership... They're not priests, all right? Um, But a priest is a person who is supposed to stand between God and man. And so a Catholic or an Orthodox priest, I talked to a man extensively who's, who's still a member, in his mind anyway, of the Orthodox Church, he would go to his father and confess his sins, okay? Because the father was the priest, and he's supposed to stand between this poor man and God. Now we know that that's not necessary because we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. Jesus Christ has made a way for sinful men to have a direct relationship with Almighty God. So we don't need a priest, okay? But we do fulfill the position of priesthood because, and I will explain to you why, because you and I, our feet, are on this ground in this world. And we relate to people, don't we? Do you relate to people in your life? I would like to suggest to you tonight that you relate to people in your life. Okay, Relate to people. People are important, and people are what matter. And so don't hide from people. Don't try to recluse yourself away from people, but relate to people. Okay, so you are a person. You're a human being. You speak English language or maybe some others. I don't know. But we relate to people and also at the same time, and this is really dynamite, at the very same time that your feet are on this earth and you relate to people, you also have a relationship with Almighty God. Okay? 
Now, if you didn't know that that's dynamite, it really is. That is awesome. And it is ex- exciting. And it is a relationship that is empowering and life-changing. You've got a relationship with God. You've got a relationship with people. And so that makes you a royal priesthood. It's just by virtue of your relationship with God and people, you stand between them. Now, they don't have to confess their sins to you. They don't don't come to you to, to have the dispensing of religion. But you can relate God to people because you know them both. All right? Is this making sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? You relate to both. That makes you a priest. That makes you a royal priesthood. Standing between God and man. And so please relate to people. Relate to people. Relate to people that are not like you. You know, sometimes it is, I'll be honest with you, it is so easy. It is so comfortable for me to relate to God's people. I just love being with God's people. And I think when I am with God's people, they know I enjoy being with them. We've been being, we've been being, we've been being with a lot of God's people here in South Boston. We've been getting around. We've been sitting at your tables. And we've been eating your food. And, you know, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to talk together and visit together and, and share stories together and just fellowship together. It's very pleasant. And, you know, it would be very tempting for us to just, you know what, it's just so nice to be with God's people. Let's just hang around with them all the time, you know. But that doesn't function very well as a royal priesthood. As a royal priesthood, you are relating to God and people who are not in relationship with your God. Okay? So relate to people. Don't avoid people. Hang out with people that are even not like yourself. And that is functioning as a royal priesthood between God and man. And so you are able to speak for God. You're able to represent God. You're able to show God to those around you. You're able to model God to a society that is far from God. You know, people, I don't have to tell you this tonight, you know this, but people try many things. People do many things that try to fill the emptiness of their heart. And there's a lot of very broken people. The world is full of broken people. People that their lives are totally out of order. Totally. And maybe they are doing things that you wonder, why are they doing those things? They're doing things maybe that are even scary to you. Um, I think I might have described my neighbor to you a few nights ago. I think I might have. But you see what people do. Why do they do things like that? Why do they go those kinds of places? Why do they fill their minds with those kinds of things? Why do they play those kinds of games? Why do they take those kinds of drugs? Why do they drink those kind of beverages? Why do they go to those kinds of places and do those things? Why do they do all that? That's terrible. It's because they don't have God. Their hearts are empty. Their lives are broken. And they're just trying to get a little bit of pleasure. Maybe a little bit of relief, maybe a little bit of escape from this life, which is horrible to them. So don't be scared of them. It's easy to be scared of people. I'll tell you a story, okay? Oh, you're all going to perk up now. Uh, one time I was driving on Carsonia Avenue, driving along Carsonia Avenue, and I drove by a big pile of wood next to the road, big pile of wood, big logs over there. It said, free firewood. Can't pass up free firewood, right? Can't pass that up. So I stopped, and I started throwing free firewood into my truck. And the guy came across the street and said, hey, hey, buddy, hey, I see you're putting that firewood in your truck. He said, you want any more? I said, sure. That was a big mistake, okay? (laughs) He said, will you come on back here tomorrow, and you see this tree here? We're going to be cutting that tree down. And it was a big sycamore tree. I mean, it was enormous. And I, 
you know, what do you say? Okay, sure, yeah. Okay, buddy, we'll be back tomorrow. So I took my son, put my son in the truck and all the lumberjacking equipment I had. And uh, until it was all said and done, I was the foreman of the crew, okay? (laughs) (laughs) He said, hold this rope, pull on this rope while I try to cut off. It was like, oh, my, (laughs) terrible things were going to happen. Anyway, there's a busy road. Carsonia Avenue is a busy street, okay? And this tree, there there was... electric wires up here, and this tree's way up here, okay, and this guy was not a professional tree chopper guy, I guarantee it. That tree, when it fell down, first of all, I had to hold back the traffic, okay, hold back the traffic, because this tree's going to fall in the middle of the road. This is all bad, I shouldn't even tell you this story. (laughs) But I tell you, that tree came down, and the top branches of that tree went right through these wires. It did not take them down, Okay. All the branches broke as they went down through the wires, and it did not take the wires down. But we did, we did take off a guy wire in the meantime, but that was just holding up the post. So, you know, nothing too serious happened there. But, oh, my. Yeah, it was terrible. But anyway, uh, what I'm trying to get at was this guy, he, he was a rough character. Okay, he was the kind of guy, I don't got two tattoos here tonight, but he, he had the tattoos he had the, 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 you know, the long hair, and he was a big, burly guy. And, you know, hey, buddy, you know, you know, oh, okay, man, I'll be back to help you with the tree tomorrow. You sure? No problem. You know what? Till it was all said and done, we were sitting on stumps. We were sitting on the stumps talking to each other. He said, what would your church do if a guy like me walked in? I said, you know what? The people in my church, they'd probably want to know who you are. Maybe want to know why you're here. But I can tell you, the people at my church would love you if you came to our church. And uh, so we, I talked to him about the Lord, and we had some conversations, and I went my way, he went his way, and thankfully nobody got in trouble for what happened. But uh, you know what? It's easy to look at people and just say, you know what? I, 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 I'm not interested. No way, man. I'm not interested in talking to people like that. That's scary. And i tell you about my sick boy neighbor. Did I tell you I gave the man a hug? Did I tell you that? Not this year, but the last year I did. <laughs> okay? But he came in. We, we, you know, we take cookies around or some kind of gifts to the neighbors. And Did I tell you about sick boy neighbor? Did I tell you about him? Or was that at church on Sunday? I don't know. I preach so many sermons, I don't know what I say where. But anyway, that man came in. They give us a little Christmas ornament and a glass all etched with laser etching. And, and last year he came in, and we talked a little bit. And, and before he left, I gave him a hug like this, you know. I don't know if that man ever gets a hug. I just don't know that he ever gets a hug. But I actually gave this man a hug, and uh, we parted ways. And Anyway, that's the kind of person you need to be. You need to be a per- person. I'm not lifting myself up. I'm not. I fail more than I succeed, believe me. But you know what? We need to be a person that is a source of love to people that are not like us and people we might otherwise avoid because they need to be put in touch with your God, okay? They need to have a relationship with your God. And you are a royal priesthood here tonight, and you need to love those kind of people. A royal priesthood. And so, this, what God calls us to tonight, is no less than a royal priesthood. Look at who you are in Christ Jesus, and what you are to do and to be, And listen tonight, don't take it lightly. Don't say, okay, well, that's okay for them. That's okay for the preacher. That might be okay for Brother Ted. But, yeah, that's not really for me. It is for you. It's for every one of us. We are to be a source of light and love and truth to this world. That's what we're here for. The world needs your God and your Savior. So let's be a royal priesthood. That's what God says you are. Now the Apostle Paul puts it a little different. We're reading from Peter. Paul says a little different. Now we're going we're gonna to understand tonight. Some people, don't, some people make differentiations between the, the writers of Scripture. They say, well, you know, sure, I'll tell you that Paul wrote this. But you know who really wrote it? The Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit writes... Through the pen of the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 
he says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, another way of saying it. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so tonight this has political implications. An ambassador represents a foreign land. And so what does that tell you about yourself in regard to this land? Well, an ambassador is one who is representing a foreign land to a different land. And the ambassador is a person that belongs to the other land, right? The ambassador from Japan to the United States belongs to Japan. He's not a citizen of this country. He's just representing his country in this country. And so you are representing your country which is heaven, the kingdom of God, in this country, which is the United States of America, and whatever country you happen to be in at the time. And so we are of a foreign land. We are members of the kingdom of Christ. We live in this country, but we are not of this country. Okay? Does that make sense to us tonight? As an ambassador, we live in this country, but we're not of this country. Our primary citizenship is heavenly. Jesus clearly said in John 18.36, and I think you all know this, but Jesus answered to Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Did Jesus deny that he, that he had a kingdom? Did Jesus say, oh, you know what, I really don't have a kingdom? Is that what he said? No, he said, my kingdom. In other words, I have a kingdom. I am the king of a kingdom, but it's not of this world, all right? So that does not mean Jesus is not a king, and he doesn't have a king. He does have a kingdom. He is a king, but the kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And so Jesus owns a kingdom, and you belong to his kingdom. It is not a kingdom of this world. It is not an earthly kingdom. And so what do you do as an ambassador or as a representative or as a royal priesthood? You bring to this earth messages from your king. Now, thankfully, the messages from our king, we don't have to cup our ear like this and try to listen and hear what Jesus is saying because he's already given us (laughs) He's written it down for us. It's here in his word. We have his message. And this message needs to be communicated to the world that we live in. So yours is the ministry, as it says in the end of that verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Be reconciled to God. We have a ministry of reconciliation. And that is the position of a priest, to bring man and God together. So yours tonight is a royal priesthood. Okay? Take it seriously. It's God's commissioning upon your life. You have a high calling, and it is to be a royal priesthood for God. Then he says you're a holy nation. If you were to look somewhere to find holy, where do you look? Where do you look to find holy? Is it in Virginia? Is holy in Pennsylvania? Is holy in the United States? Where do you look to find things that are holy? Where do you, where do you get your definition from, of holy? Holy is only heavenly, right? That's the only place you find anything holy is in heaven. You only find holy things in God himself. And if there's anything in this earth that is holy, it's because it originated with God. Okay, And so if there are holy people, it's because they have a relationship with a holy God. Okay? God is the source of holiness. And so only God is holy, and only his influence makes us holy. So holy pretty much is defined by who God is. And so when it says you're a holy nation, that means that you are a God-like nation. Okay. Is that okay tonight? Does that sink in? We are a God-like nation. That's what he's saying about his children, about his people. 
This is a recurring theme throughout the word of God. The people of God have consistently been called to holiness. If you read the law, we read in Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So that was way back in the law. God's people were told to be holy people. You can also read Jesus. Matthew 5, 48, he says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You can read the epistles. And we've been talking from Peter, but Peter, 1 Peter 1.15, but as he which hath called you is holy, talking about God, so be ye holy. In you know the next word, don't you? The word is all. Be holy in all manner of conversation. In all of your living. In all of your lifestyle, in all of your talking, in all of your thinking, in all of your everything, we are called to be holy. Godlike. Okay? And I want to ask us tonight, what is the standard for your life? What standard do you use to measure everything in your life? Do you look around you and say, well, look, these, those people are Christians. Look what they're doing. It must be all right. Is that... Does that work for you? Well, those people are Christians and they're doing it, so it must be okay. Are other Christians a standard of what's holy and what isn't? Well, my preacher thinks it's all right to do that. Since when is the preacher the standard for what is holy? You understand what I'm saying tonight? The standard is holy for God's children. We're to be holy in all manner of conversation, everything about us. And so holy is to be the distinguishing character of God's children. Holy is the standard. And so the question is, often the question people ask is the totally wrong question. They say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Wrong question. Question is, is it holy or not? Okay. Do you see the difference between those two questions? Our standard is not measured in how wrong something is. And sometimes maybe we don't even know what's wrong with something, even though there is something wrong with something. But is it holy? If it isn't holy, are you ready for this tonight? Listen, if it isn't holy, it's not for you. Okay? Can you handle that? Can you swallow that? Can you accept that? If it isn't holy, it's not for you. Now, the world is full of things that are perfectly fine and holy, okay? I think there's lots of activities that are holy activities. There's many things you can do that are holy activities. Perfectly right, perfectly good. But if there's any darkness in it, if there's an element of unholy in it, we can reject it because it's not for us. We're to be holy in all manner, all. The word A-L-L, that means everything. Is that a high standard? Certainly it is. And so anything that is God-directed and God-approved is good for us. If it isn't, it's not. You, dear people, tonight, you are a holy nation. And you know what? That ought to be a word that people would describe you as, say, what kind of people are those people at the Ebenezer Mennonite Church? The community should say, you know what? I think a word that describes them really well would be holy. Okay? Those are holy people. Good word to describe God's people. In fact, that's the word God describes us with. And then it goes on to talk about peculiar Peculiar. Now, peculiar has come to mean that something is rather strange. Those people are really peculiar. That's probably what they do say, okay? People in your neighborhood probably look at you and say, look at those people going in that Mennonite church down there. They are really peculiar, okay? 
little bit strange, a little bit out of the ordinary, not quite, you know, with it. It's got to be okay, okay? It's got to be okay with you to be that way because that's the way you are, okay? We're just not with the main flow of things, and it's quite all right. But a peculiar people, that means that you are set apart, you are special, you are a purchased people. That's what it means to be peculiar. Now, let's look at a couple verses in Exodus. It says here in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, Now, therefore, talking to the children of Israel, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant... Okay, these two, two uh, stipulations here. If you'll obey my voice and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Does this sound familiar? A kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, please notice, he says, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Now, sometimes it's hard to communicate these kinds of things, but a peculiar treasure. In other words, God was saying, if you people will obey me, and if you will keep my covenant, then you are going to be to me the most valuable treasure that I can have as God, okay? Do you think that there is a reason why God has a plan of redemption whereby people like you can be forgiven, can be saved, and be, and be children of God? What's God's purpose? Does God get, what the, does God get something out of it? Does God benefit from it? If I'd be a betting man, I'd say, you bet. <laughs> okay? God gets something out of it. And what he gets out of it, he gets a group of people that is worldwide, every time zone of America and the world, he has people who love him and people who worship him, people who honor him with their lives, and people who absolutely focus their entire life upon him. And God looks down and says, there is my treasure. Okay? The people that God has redeemed, the people that love him and worship him, are his treasure. And tonight, you individually... God can look down upon your life, and as your heart is sincere with God, you love him, you worship him, you honor him, you build your life upon him. He is the focus of your life. God looks down upon your little life way down there on earth, and he says, look. Maybe he even looks around the angels and says, look. That person there, that sister, that brother, my treasure. God says, that's my treasure. Okay? Can you, can you absorb that tonight? That you are God's treasure. Now, if God looks at me, if he looks at this little tiny insignificant man standing at this pulpit tonight, if he looks down upon me and says, that brother there, that Ted Steinrich standing there preaching the gospel down there at South Boston, Virginia, Says that man is my treasure. You know what I can do? I can look up at that God and say, God, I love you. I love you, God. Because we got a good thing going. We've got a good relationship. And it's reciprocal. It goes back and forth. God loves me. I love him. It's a good thing. And so when you think about being a peculiar people, don't think about being strange or odd. Think about being a treasure. 
God says, you are my treasure. And you know what? There's a lot of Christians that walk around with their heads down. They just, you know, they don't feel like they are much. But you know what? When you can wrap your mind around the fact that God really loves you, God really cares about you, and God really values you highly, man, that really enhances your relationship with him. When you realize God really cares about me, then you can care back. Then you can love back. It's a beautiful thing when the people of God really do love God. Well, let's move on here tonight. Be nice to think about that a little bit longer, but we have to move on. <clears throat> it says that they should, okay, we got these, these things. We are the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises. Functioning in these positions that we looked at this evening, to which God calls you, brings him praise and glory. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, you all know this verse, I know you do. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so as a child of God, I personally praise and worship God. And I hope as you go through your day and through your life that there are times that you all of a sudden realize, hey, I'm here to praise God. And you say, God, I praise you. While you're driving along, when the house is empty and nobody else is around, you don't want to embarrass yourself, you know. But you just say, God, I praise you. Oh, you're so good. That's why we're here. We're here to praise God, that we should show forth his praises. So you personally praise God. And when other people look at you and say, you know what? That person reminds me an awful lot of Jesus. That person reminds me an awful lot of God. You know what happens? We are reflecting him to others. Okay, God's light is shining upon us. It's reflecting out to other people. It's drawing them to worship our God, saying, God, God has done something good in that person's life. Hmm, how'd they get that way? Oh, it must be about God, you know? That's how we point people to God. That brings God glory when people are reminded of God by us, all right? Can we figure that out? Can we understand that? So we shine forth God's light, and the glory is reflected back to him. And so your life is a reflector of God tonight. And this causes people to look heavenward to the praise of your God. If you read through your Bible, which I, I suggest you do, um, I believe some brother talked about that just a few nights ago, but there were times in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Daniel, you read through the book of, book of Daniel, there were pagan kings that said amazingly evangelical things, now, that rhymed, but I didn't, I didn't intend it. But the pagan kings that talked about evangelical things in praise to the God of heaven because Daniel was willing to go into the lion's den because he was able to interpret a dream because three Hebrew children said, we're not going to bend and we're not going to bow. And the, and the king was, was led to glorify and praise the God of heaven because God was able to deliver them from the fiery furnace. And you know what? Maybe God's not always going to deliver you from every affliction and problem you have. In fact, he probably won't. But when people see you responding in a godly way to whatever happens to you, you know, they will be led to praise him as well. So show forth his praises. It says, we're called out of darkness into light. Tonight I ask you, is there any darkness in your life? Is there something in your life tonight that you are hiding? Is there any area that you have yielded to the prince of darkness. You know what? If you have yielded an area of your life to the prince of darkness, where will it stop? Okay. There's no end of that. If he has a little part of your life, if, if, if the prince of darkness, the devil himself, if he has even a square centimeter of your life, that's an area for him to, to work out of. Okay. He's got his own little headquarters in there. He can just expand from there. We are not to have an area of darkness. None. We're called out of darkness into the light. God is light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. And you know what? Like begets like. I use the word like, not light. But if God is light, then we as his children must also be light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. In you, there is to be no darkness at all. 
That's how it's to be. We are called out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. Hiding your sin, you will not prosper. That's found in Proverbs 28, 13. Hidden sin will bleed the life right out of you. You cannot prosper. You cannot be in good health. You cannot be spiritually useful while concealing sin in your life. Deal with it. Even tonight, we're called out of darkness into light. We were at one point not a people, but now we are the people of God. We have not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Not a people, not obtained mercy, that is our former condition. Before Christ came into our life, our life counted for little. Our identity was just of earth. We were in line to get exactly what we had coming. There was no mercy available. But now, now things are different. Now, you are the people of God. That is an exciting identity. We have now obtained mercy. We have a new identity as the people of God, and it is eternally significant. We have received mercy. God is no longer going to give us what we deserve, but instead he has showered us with his grace and his mercy. He goes on to say that we are strangers and pilgrims. Dear people tonight, please, please live like a stranger and a pilgrim. You know, strangers are easy to spot. A number of years ago, we had, we had Romanians and Russians moving to Reading. And you know what? You'd see a, a Russian lady walking on the sidewalk. You could, you could pick them out. Really easy, okay? They'd have on their skirt, they'd have on their blouse, and they'd have a colorful kerchief over their head, and they just were not American. <laughs> they just were not Americans. You could see it plain. They were strangers in this land. And some of them, a lot of them probably integrated and became like everyone else. But strangers are easy to spot because they look different. Well, we look different. They talk different. We talk different. They live different. They have a different culture. We live different. We've got a different culture. Strangers. That's what we are. They think different. We think different. They have different values. Hopefully tonight we have different values. Do we? Don't we? We got different values in the world around us? Sure hope so. And strangers don't fit in. Is that how you feel about life here? Do you feel like you don't fit in? I sure hope so. Is it okay if I tell you that you better not feel like you fit in in this world? Is that okay if I tell you that? That you better not feel like you fit in here because you don't. You don't fit in here. We're strangers. Strangers in this world. Now pilgrims, on the other hand, they are in transit. They know that they're not here to stay. And brothers and sisters, you need to understand and recognize, realize, perceive, you are not here to stay. This is not your final dwelling place. You're a pilgrim traveling through. Okay? You must have that understanding. Please live that way. Travel light in this world because it won't be long till we leave. Okay? Travel light. Be ready to go because it won't be long till we leave. And he says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. I wonder how many people live in constant conflict in their hearts. Did you notice? Lusts, what do they do? They war against the soul. That means there's a battle going on. Okay? Fleshly lusts war against your soul. What are they trying to do? They're trying to destroy your soul. That's what it means when there's a war. There's one side trying to destroy the other. Fleshly lusts are warring against our soul. There are Christians, professed Christians, they feed the flesh. They feast on evil, and yet they try to be a Christian. But there's warfare going on. And what happens in warfare? 
Somebody dies in warfare. In this war, either the flesh dies or the soul dies. Both cannot survive. One side will win, the other side will lose. And so tonight, are we allowing an assault to occur on our soul? The instruction, the instruction here is simple. There's one word, a one-word instruction, and that is the word abstain. Abstain from fleshly lusts. The best place to draw the line is zero. No involvement. No fleshly lusts. No fulfillment of those things. None. Um, That is where we draw the line. No fleshly lusts. Abstain from it. Starve it. Be decisive. Have no pity or mercy on the flesh. In fact, we're told in Romans 13, 14, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Instead, we are told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You know... It's time tonight, it's time to close for one thing, but it's also time tonight for Christians, and I want you to hear me. It's time for Christians to stop giving the world an excuse not to follow Christ. There are people that say, I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians, because all they want is money. They're a bunch of hypocrites. You know, whatever. It might just be their excuse. You know, they make excuses. But you know what? Sometimes Christians behave themselves in such a way that it just turns people off to your God. It's time for Christians to stop being an excuse for the world not to follow Christ. In fact, it should be the exact opposite. They should be able to look at your life, listen to what you say, observe you to the point that they say, you know what? Those people got it. Those people got it. And I can't hardly stand living without it because their lives are so beautiful. Their lives are so abundant. Their lives are so glorious that I want what they have. Please, we should all have people running to us like the Philippian jailer came to Paul in the prison. What must I do to be saved? I don't know. Nobody's ever come to me like that. Probably they never came to you like that either. But you know what? Our lives should be so, such a drawing factor to our Christ that they want to have what you and I have. So tonight, represent him well. Represent him well. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people, also a treasure, peculiar treasure to God. And so go forth. Tonight, listen, go forth in his truth and represent God well because yours is a high calling. Yours is. Every one of you here tonight, look at me. Yours is a high calling. So go represent God well in this world. Okay? Let's all stand to pray. After the prayer, we'll have a song. You can be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we are here tonight in this church service in your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here among us. We thank you for giving us such a precious treasure as your word. And Lord, your word is alive and your word is impacting. So Lord, we thank you that that you communicated clearly to us here tonight who and what we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a chosen generation. We're here today. We're here for a purpose. We have a work to do. We're a royal priesthood. We stand between you, the holy God, and an unholy society and people. I pray that we would represent you well. We're a holy nation, Father. You've called us to holiness. I pray that we would use holiness as the measure for all that we take into our life and all that we participate in in life. Lord, if it's holy, 
We want to accept it, embrace it, enjoy it. And if it isn't holy, we want to reject it. Peculiar people, Lord. We're a peculiar people. We are your peculiar treasure. Lord, we thank you that you love and care for us so deeply. Lord, I pray that as we think about that tonight, that we would love you, that we would honor you and worship you, that we would have a right view of you, that we'd have a right attitude towards you. And Lord, that we would fill our days with your praise. Father, I pray that you'll take the truths that were shared this evening and make them a part of our hearts. And Lord, that we might live out of those truths. And Father, that we would go forth to represent you well. Because our world that we live in needs you. And how are they going to know who you are except by the communication of our lives? So Lord, help us to, to represent you well, to go forth in your name, to be your agents, your ambassadors, your representatives, bringing you to those around us. Bless us as we go our separate ways tonight. Give us safety as we go to our homes. Give us good rest tonight. Bring us back again tomorrow evening that we might hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray.